5: Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shah. Amal, we have a huge, I mean huge, Wednesday program on tap here in 10 minutes. Bryant McFadden going to join the show, talk a little Steelers, talk a little Florida State, preview some of the draft picks. Uh, and this year's class, I mean, and I give him credit. I mean, who wants to follow Josh Eberle after yesterday? But we're going to get BMac on the phone in 10 minutes here.
6: Yeah, can't wait. Brings a lot of energy and enthusiasm. We'll also discuss what's wrong with the Steelers offensive line, among other things.
5: Among other things. Uh, we're going to continue our preview of the AFC South. Today, we're going to take a look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and your boy Urban Meyer, how much of a difference he can make this year. And finally, we're going to close the show with Amal guesses. Total passing yards of the young quarterbacks. That's rookies or quarterbacks going into their second year.
6: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll have Kyler Murray. I'm sure we'll have your adopted son Justin Herbert mm-hmm. on the list.
5: Absolutely. But let's start about what everyone across America is is talking about at
6: the water cooler this morning. Those uniforms at the All Star game last night. You know it's funny. I didn't. I didn't see it. And a friend of mine <laughs> called me. I was on the way, and we were talking. He goes. He goes. The person who designed <laughs> these uniforms should be shot. <laughs> Was it that bad?
5: Well, I mean, it was just all navy blue for the American League and all white, and it didn't really even have the logos of the teams. It was like T-shirts with just very generic. I mean, that was more the buzz than anything last night was about the uniforms.
6: Yeah, I I didn't tune in. I'm
5: kind of kicking myself because this total got all the way up to 11. And if you really looked at this National League lineup, I mean, featuring two Pittsburgh Pirates in the starting nine, (laughs) I mean, mean, this should have dictated a play on the under them all.
6: Well... (laughs) You know, if you think about it, with the way the ball, like the humidor situation, you're not going to have what you had at the home run derby. I thought the under might not be a bad play. I talked about it yesterday. I just didn't really have much confidence to bet in an all-star game. But generally speaking, these are not games that guys really want to do a lot. You know, you're going to swing for the downs. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, whatever, let's move on. Joe Buck, was uh, they had guys
5: wired up, and Joe Buck was trying to talk to them while they were in their bats, like Xander Bogart asked, what are, you look, what, what are you looking for? I mean, I thought that really fell flat, trying to talk to a guy while Max Scherzer's
6: locked in and in his windup. Yeah, I, I wish Xander would have said, I'm hoping the audio cuts out, Joe. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean... uh, as far as the game goes, 5-2 uh, to two American League. Look, I was impressed with Otani. I thought, you know, this kid... What a night he had going into the, the home run derby and then extra time with Soto. Then he's got a leadoff and he's got a pitch. Was very efficient in the first inning, though. I thought he showed tremendous composure. Sures are very efficient in the first as well. Uh, Vlad Jr. gets the MVP, hits the home run, and the American League comes away
6: victorious. As you said, they own this contest. Yeah, they really do. I was a little bit concerned when I looked at the box score. I saw two runs in the second inning. I thought, oh, man, Maxie gave up two runs. Mm-hmm. Then I realized it was your guy, Corbin Burns. You know, it's yeah, how about this? Corbin Burns... Struck out
5: 50 batters before he gave up a walk this year. Yeah. And on four pitches, he walked judge. (laughs) His first
6: batter he faced in the All-Star game. Yeah, absolutely right. And by the way, how about the man getting the save here, Liam Hendricks from Perth in Western Australia? I mean, that city is about as far of any city with a populace over a million from anywhere in the world and this guy all makes it all the way to Denver and gets the final out in this one.
5: I thought the National League might be live if Chapman was coming in with the American <laughs> <laughs> League having, yeah, exactly. having, yeah. having a three-run lead going into the, into the ninth. I, one of the funnier moments was they, had, they were talking to Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Buck was talking to Freeman, and the defensive half of the second top of the second for the, for the National League. And as, he, as Burns kept throwing balls to Judge Friedman, said, I'm going to look like a midget here in about a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 6'3". <laughs> uh, so all-star game. you did. I got to tell you, I want to give you credit before we get too far into the show. You know, you're doing three hours a day here. You're doing this show in the morning. Then you're driving to South Point doing the show. Uh, My guys in the desert with Brady yesterday, again with Danielle and, and, and Vinny today, though I listened to the first hour of the show yesterday. It was a terrific, terrific eight-minute recap of the Home Run Derby.
6: Yeah, you know, I wanted to extend it a little bit further, but I was understanding, based on the rundown, we couldn't do that. So I thought eight minutes was perfect. And by the way, i got to give Brady's credit, Brady credit. I didn't know what year he won the Masters, but I understand he did have <laughs> a green jacket.
5: A, re, I only saw the t-shirt. I didn't really notice, notice the green... Okay. No, notice the jacket. Gotcha. Well, the long wait is over, Amal. Uh, we finally get game four of the NBA Finals tonight in Milwaukee. I, I was
6: unaware it's still going on.
5: Yeah, It is still going on. It, it may go into August, but... Uh, Looking, you came away with a winner. The number comes back just about the same here with the Bucks gonna be four point favorite at home, four four and a half. Yeah. Total's gonna be right around two twenty or two twenty and a half. Any early thoughts on this game for you?
6: Like Milwaukee, but this is not the same situation as game number three. Let's not speak. as strong. No, exactly. So not as strong.
5: Let's get into how you bet differently based on your conviction on a play. Welcome into the nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. We're going to preview the tenant. Uh, excuse me, the Jacksonville Jaguars later in the show. As we continue to look at the AFC South, we're going to close out with you guessing. We're going to play a all yep. guesses, a yep. all guesses on quarterback passing yards for those quarterbacks coming into their second season or rookies that were drafted. But first and foremost, we're going to yep. bring in our guest here, Brian McFadden. Of course, starred at MacArthur in Hollywood, Florida, then on to Florida State. Two stints with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Arizona Cardinals in between, and we're very happy to have you join the show for the first time, Brian. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you. Terrific setup there. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, I want to start out with this. Let's take a look at the Offensive Rookie of the Year market, and we take a look at Najee Harris. Does Najee Harris have a legitimate chance to win this award, given the fact that he was drafted by the team with the worst run-blocking offensive line in football, your Pittsburgh Steelers?
2: Uh, No doubt. No doubt. Outside of the necessity of trying to establish a ground and pound attack for the Steelers, you have to like Najee Harris's uh, chances in winning the rookie of the year award because of the the lack of competition, to say the least. You know what I mean? It's safe to say uh, he will be a day one starter. He's clearly the best back on the team currently. And because of that, he's going to get more than enough opportunities to really show his worth, to put up the numbers to be in that conversation I mean of course it's a quarterback award right and we we understand that but when you look at the opportunities that he will have playing with a real established organization to say the least and it's a very very sticky division the AFC North. But you still like their chances in getting to the playoffs the Pittsburgh Steelers that is and if they get to the playoffs he's going to have a lot of say so in their success on the offensive side so yes I love his chances
6: are you saying the Steelers are going to get to the postseason because you won Super Bowls? Is that what it's all about? I mean, it seems like a little bias here to me.
2: <laughs> you know what? I get that every year. Last <laughs> year, I was raving about the Steelers' chances and winning the, winning the division and getting to the playoffs. And everybody said, you always biased. The thing I love about the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the experience factor, um, the defensive side of things, uh, the coaching staff. All of those uh, key elements are important in trying to make a playoff run. Now, granted, they started extremely fast. It, they slowed down. They hit a few a, a few pit holes, but they were, they won their division. And we're talking about the way the criticism that they faced they've gotten this year. You would have thought they didn't make the playoffs. You know, you would have thought they didn't win the division. They did all of those things. So the expectations are always high. But no question, they got a, a legit shot. To make the playoffs. We saw this division get three teams to the playoffs last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see the same
6: thing in 2021. Yeah, Brian McFadden joining us. One of the best Skype setups you will ever see. He's got three jerseys behind him. I see the Brian McFadden, number 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The number seven, Peterson there with the Minnesota Vikings. Who and what is that all about? Well, Pat P., that's my cousin.
2: I'm okay. uh, a road dog. Uh, currently, uh, starting for the Attribute. Minnesota Vikings, yep. mm-hmm. and uh, you know we have our we have our podcast, All Things Covered podcast. You guys definitely should subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel. So anytime we locking and loading doing our podcast, I like to represent for the Vikings. I like to represent for Pat P. I have a list of different jerseys I like to. Uh, put up and showcase whenever we're doing our podcast and recording. I just didn't rem- move any. So that's that's what the jerseys is about.
6: I love it. He's also got the number 8 Mcfadden from Florida State. Did you choose to go to Florida State over the University of Florida because they were not to, able to utilize the talents of Eric Rhett? You knew going to play for Bobby Bowden, you'd become a better <laughs> player than going to play for Steve Spurrier. You know what? I just didn't like Florida. I didn't like the Gators.
2: <laughs> Spurrier at the time was the head coach as he mentioned. He came uh to uh he didn't Uh, personally come, but reached out. And I told him do not even waste his time because I wasn't going to consider Florida. So I just didn't like, I never liked the Gators at all. I didn't want to waste my time going to Gainesville because I wasn't considering going to that university.
5: You know, uh, uh, Brian, I I was going to go to another NFL question, but Amal's got us on Florida State. I want to ask you this. Amal and I debated this on, on a different show on the Lombardi line before we had our own show last year which program has had the biggest fall during the 21st century and i'll give you three choices i'll give you the university of michigan the university of nebraska or your florida state seminoles wow wow (laughs) clearly
2: if you had to rank those three schools florida state wouldn't be one or two i mean number one probably would be nebraska uh, you got to go back to the Tom Osborne days, you know what I mean, when they were dominating college football and the drop-off was significant. And it still is significant, right? And then Michigan, um, the, the changing of the guard at the head coaching position, uh, and then you – Go get a guy like Coach Harbaugh who you thought would be able to implement consistency, and they still uh, looking for that side of things, can't establish a quarterback, can't find a quarterback, and they ran Lloyd Carr off, you know what I mean, because they got so accustomed to winning eight and nine ball games, They'd be happy if they can get that structure now in place. So, yeah, those top two programs. Florida State won a championship in 2013. Florida State had a first overall uh, uh, draft pick a few years ago. Florida State brought in the Heisman. So it's not like Florida State has been – off the grid, to say the least. And granted, the expectations are always high, but Florida State has always, it's still been relevant. Uh, Nebraska, I, Michigan, in a national conversation, they haven't been relevant in a long time.
6: You're absolutely right. I know you're extremely proud of that Independence Bowl win four years ago, but listen, I've got to ask you in all seriousness, Brian, we're having a lot of fun with you because sometimes we have some guests, they're just not as much entertainment as you are, and I know you can talk a ton of college football along with the NFL. I do want to ask you one thing about college football with Mike Norvell coming in. Takes over for Jimbo. The one thing about Florida State has been stability. You go back to Bobby Batten, I think he got there in, what, 75, 76? Obviously had a tremendous run, winning a couple national titles. You guys were, had top four finishes for 13 consecutive years. My all-time favorite uh, Florida State player, uh, Warwick Dunn, and, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, Derek Brooks. It, it was unbelievable. What about Mike Norvell? Can he build what you guys players like yourself, Deion Sanders, everybody who's been able to contribute, not only at, at the Tallahassee, but at the next level at the pros.
2: Uh, no doubt. The thing I love about Novell, Mike Norville, he's a likable individual. He's a high-character guy. He's a good guy. And good things happen to good people. And he's been able to establish and showcase that just on the recruiting road. I mean, you look at what they've been doing so far, getting ready for this upcoming class, 2022 class. They've been getting some nice players Uh, to commit some nice players to strongly consider Florida state. So if you want to have success on the football field on Saturdays, the first thing you must do is recruit well and be able to develop and coach those recruited players you got in and then success on the grass will follow. So I'm excited for Florida state this season. Granted, the expectations are always high uh, because of the greats that have come before Players like myself, you know what I mean? Being able to set the bar high. But Mike Novell is the right guy, I believe, and he will showcase that skill set in, in in years to come.
5: We're speaking with Brian McFadden, of course, uh, two Super Bowl titles with the Pittsburgh Steelers and a terrific career at Florida State uh, after he came out of Hollywood MacArthur. You can find him on Twitter yes, at, at BMAC underscore sports talk. You do some analysis for CBS Sports as well. Brian, you spent some time in your broadcasting career in Chicago. Everybody I talk to in that city is very excited about them trying to go out and get a generational quarterback in Justin Fields. Speak to me about how soon you think he starts this year and what impact he'll have on the Bears.
2: Yo, personally, if it was my decision, he's starting week one. Why are we playing around, right? We know who the future is for that organization in Chicago. Andy Dalton is basically babysitting the position. It's only a matter of time before Justin Fields is in the lineup, and he should be in the lineup. I feel like this. This is how I feel. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, they tied to the hip. They've done a horrible job in, in getting sound players, especially at the quarterback position, to be able to lead this organization. So that staff need to get Justin Fields ready by week one. And if he's not ready, then, of course, you can implement – the veteran guy in Andy Dalton. But if you start Andy Dalton and they start losing ball games, huh? that seat will be super hibachi hot for Matt Nagy, and there's a good chance he won't even get a chance to coach Justin Fields when he is in the lineup because he could be fired midseason. So me personally, talent-wise, Justin Fields is a better talent at the quarterback position. He lacks experience, but I feel like he is the guy that should be the week one starter because we all know – who the future is at the quarterback position? There's no need to hold him back. You know what I mean? Unless he drops the ball in camp. If he's showing, if he shows showing signs that he's not ready in camp, then of course not. But if he's doing some pretty good things, let's go. No, no, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to not showcase the highly invested prospect that he is.
6: Brian, I uh, love the assessment you gave of the Bears, and I am in complete agreement with you. Pace and Nagy both on the hot seat. They've got to make some decisions that move this team forward in 2021. We want to go out west the Los Angeles Rams. I am extremely high on this team to win the NFC, potentially win the Super Bowl. The acquisition of Matthew Ooh. Stafford, from your perspective, does this upgrade this team enough, combined with that defense, with, in my opinion, two of the top five players in the National Football League, Jalen Ramsey being a top five guy, another Florida State guy, and the best player. Regardless of position in the National Football League, 99. Aaron Donald, absolutely. Listen, I,
2: I, I'm I'm with you when you look at the expectations for the Rams, but because of those expectations, Matthew Stafford will n- now have a newfound uh, uh, le- level of pressure on him, right? Yeah. Sean McVay made Jared Goff look pretty good. They won <laughs> ball games with Jared Goff. They got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. I don't think you can compare the two when you talk about the pure throwing talent. Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff, and that's why they traded for Matthew Stafford. But the pressure that's on his plate right now is, 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 is heavy. It's like a Thanksgiving plate. It's a lot of food on his plate, and he has to handle that pressure because if he don't, they're going to miss every element of the expectation board they have set for them. So, I'm yeah, talent-wise, defensively, they have it. They have wide receivers. I mean, they have an up-and-coming running back. If they can get structure on their offensive line and stay healthy, no question they should be able to win their division and compete for a championship. But that quarterback in Matthew Stafford, he has a lot of pressure. Will he be able to handle that pressure for 17 weeks? That's the thing. Because in Detroit, he never had any pressure. They never had any expectations. Going out to La La Land with the Rams? With all the other the other additions and working with probably the best quarterback mind coach he's ever been with his entire career, the pressure is at an all-time high. So that's my concern. Can he handle that pressure for 17 weeks? Because now he's going to a team that they expect to win. Detroit, they were hoping to win. The Rams, they expect to win.
5: Be back, my partner. So high. I mean, he thinks they should be planning the ticker tape parade. Uh, ticker tape parade uh, next to SoFi there because of, of uh, the acquisition of, of Stafford. But isn't the reality here that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the best team for the last quarter of the year? They showed that in the playoffs. Going on the road, they win three games, they beat up the Chiefs, and they returned 22 starters. I mean, the Seahawks, 13-14, to 14, returned 19 starters and came within a Daryl Bevel play call of, of <laughs> repeating. They, they've got all 22 starters back Brady takes the cut, they manipulate the cap. Isn't the reality that the NFC is over and we're just going to wait to see who they face in the Super Bowl? Or are there too many things that happen during the course of an NFL season that a funny thing could happen on the way to the forum?
2: Yo, I know we got a lot of gamblers, you know, watching us, checking us out. But let me give you guys a little hint. Yeah, that's the reality. I agree. If they're healthy, no question. We're waiting to see who plays the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game. Everything falls back in place. It's so rare to see a championship team bring back every key contributor. Not to mention, you get Antonio Brown for a full year. You get Rob Gronkowski, who ended his retirement for a full year. He's going to be in football shape. Gronkowski didn't get in football shape until probably November, right? And that's when we started to see production come from him at the tight end position. You get O.J. Howard who is a superior talent at the tight end position back. So they have so many key contributors coming back with the best leader we've probably seen in the NFL in Tom Brady. He is the best leader you can put together, you can put on a team to have these guys come together and chase the same goal. So because of those factors, yes. I'm sorry, NFC South, I'm sorry, the Saints, Carolina, and Atlanta, it's the Buccaneers division. You guys are fighting for second. And the same can be said for the other teams in NFC. They're fighting for second because if they're healthy guys, along with Tom Brady doing what he's doing and all the stars he has surrounding him, man, they're trying to throw some more Lombardi trophies over the water down in Tampa like they did this past boat parade they had.
6: I love your passion for it, but I think there's a complete Florida bias here from him. I'm just going to leave it at that. No, 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 I'm no, 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 no. There's, there's no floor. I, I don't like Tampa
2: at all. I know. You know what? I do like Tampa from afar because B.A. They have so many Steeler uh members on that staff. I love the diversity he's been able to implement on the staff. But, I, you know, I'm biased to Pittsburgh. I'm just being real. And you guys probably feel the same way I feel, too, because when it comes to betting and and finding a team that you can ride with True. the entire season, it has to be Bunk- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Yeah.
5: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, our, our colleague here on the network, Michael Lombardi, who is an executive, obviously, with the New England Patriots, but, but you know, with Belichick as well, worked for, for Bill Walsh, said, in reality, the only way you can defend the passing games in the NFL now is to pressure these quarterbacks. I want you to speak to how important it was for you in your time in Pittsburgh to have Dick LeBeau as your defensive coordinator, somebody that lived your life. I mean, a, a strong safety that could roll up and play quarterback and have his philosophy in making your job easier.
2: Oh, man. we, 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 we In Pittsburgh, man, it was kind of unfair because the way we prepared, how well our coaches got us ready to go, uh, we knew we were going to be successful. And the thing about Dick LeBeau, he's a very very instinctive, smart football mind. And the moment was never too big for him. He was always cool, calm, and just chilled on the sideline. And when he spoke to us, he spoke to us as a former player that has been in the battlefield, that understood and knew, he knew that we wouldn't win every battle. But his saying was, sometimes you get the bear, sometimes the bear get you. But when you're wearing a Steeler uniform, you better get the bear more times than the bear gets you. And that's all we ask for. And we we appreciate that that level of honesty from him, and he's an unbelievable individual, one of the best football minds I've ever been around in my entire pre- pre- football career, to say the least.
6: Yeah, well deserved to be in Canton, and uh, you mentioned it by the way. He's the only guy I know that's in his eighties that doesn't look like he's in his eighties.
5: Fourteen years his no career, in, career in the NFL, Brian, Terrific stuff. We'd love to have you back on the program, especially if we can't get anybody from Libertyville. <laughs>
2: Hey, <laughs> anytime. Make sure y'all check out my podcast, All Things Covered Pat P. I just had Bill Kawa on uh, giving us some
5: cool nuggets and getting ready for his Hall of Fame induction in early August. Check Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the MVP race in the American League.
2: I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one concept. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, <laughs> he's going to guard, and then on I'm top not of that.
5: like that, see that?
3: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point game. I remember you came out my room crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. and then that he's going to withdraw us about winning.
2: Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't <laughs> it?
3: <Nick?" laughs> <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's a mall show. We touched briefly at the top of mall? Uh, game four tonight in Milwaukee of the NBA Finals. You had a big play. You told everybody over the weekend, send it in, suitcase play on the bucks. You laid three and a half. Number comes back very similar tonight, four, four and a half. Are you on the same side? I am, but not as strong.
6: I think Milwaukee wins this game. Not the same scenario here. I think we'll see a, a concerted effort out of Phoenix, but they've got to shoot the ball well. De- uh, Booker uh, really didn't shoot the ball well in this one. If he can... Be better than I think the Suns have a chance, but it's tough to overcome that 20 point deficit that they had in game number uh, three. When we take a look at the series price, I know you said you thought this game, this series would go six or seven. Right. You still believe that? I do. Do you look at this Bucks plus $2 for the series? Well, let me break this down from this perspective, okay? okay? I would bet Giannis at two to one to win the MVP for the finals over the Bucks, and here's why. Without Giannis, Milwaukee's not winning the title. If they win it, Giannis is winning it. But there's a small, small, slight chance that Milwaukee could lose the title and uh, Giannis could win the MVP. I'm not saying it's gonna happen before you sigh there's no chance I already w- sighed. no hold on a minute there's no chance of you winning on your ticket if you take the bucks and they don't win but with the performance he's had so far in two out of the three games and if he can do this again in a couple more games even if they don't win he may have a chance to be Finals MVP regardless because if Booker shoots the way he did and if Chris Paul has as many turnovers as he had in the last two games of 10 all of a sudden you start to look at those guys a little bit differently.
5: When's the last time that a player from a losing team got the Finals MVP? Uh, I
6: want to say 71 or so, Jerry yeah. West. I mean, if
5: they weren't going to give it to LeBron in, what, 15 against the
6: against Golden State? I don't know that yeah. they're going to give it to a to player on a losing yeah, team. Yeah, but some, you know what? Well, listen, I said that when they didn't get Pedro the uh, MVP, but then they decided to turn yeah. around and give it to Justin Verlander in 2007. The defense rest.
5: All right. We've got your play. You're back on the Bucks. Yeah. Uh Let's talk about baseball just a little bit. We looked at the uh, NL MVP yesterday. Let's take a look at the odds to win the American league MVP. We talked about Shohei good performance on the mound yeah. in the first inning last night. He's doing terrific things, uh, in terms of hitting home run leads, the home run race by what five home runs, something like wow. that for, I mean, he's your favorite right now at minus $3. When you look at this list, Vlad Guerrero, the clear second choice at two to one, and then you get deep into it. When you start talking about the three red Sox: yeah. Bogarts, 33 to one Devers, 40 to one JD Martinez, 40 to one. Come on with the trout and judge at 50 to one. Uh, is there anybody outside of the top two you would even consider? And is he worth a bet at 3-1? to one?
6: No, because the problem with the Red Sox is you have these 3-4-5 in the lineup. Right yeah. there is 3-4-5 in this uh, uh, MVP race. They kind of take uh, votes away from each other. I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. Has had a tremendous season. I'm not taking anything away from Otani. I think Otani gets a lot of credit for the pitching. And if you actually take away that game against the Yankees, his ERA is actually under 3, which is impressive. And then to go with the 33 homers. And by the way, you know, you, one thing you got to give him credit. These home runs are not just like barely clearing the wall where you got Jeffrey Mayer potentially standing on the wall to steal a homer. That shouldn't count. Yeah. These are getting out of here. These are moonshots. I think they're serving drinks on these flights. That was Richie Phillips, the umpire, who was standing right there, by the way. Yeah, a terrible call. Tony Tarasco yeah. had that ball. Yeah. Uh, only would have happened in Yankee Stadium. If, 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 by the way, if it happened anywhere else, Major League Baseball would have turned it over. Does Otani's
5: pitching, is that could that be a negative here if down the stretch? Um, yes. That's the only thing that's really could hold him back here, right? Because he's got he's he's got that as a possible negative factor.
6: Well, I, I don't think it's going to hurt him. I'm concerned about an injury. Okay. That's the thing that can derail him. Because, right, you, you're playing. You're out there every day playing. Then you get out there a pitch. Uh, it's very taxing uh, emotionally. You're engaged in a lot of different aspects of the game. Uh, but 33 home runs already at the All-Star break is incredibly impressive.
5: John Smoltz made this comment on the broadcast last night during the first inning, bottom of the first. He said if Otani... Just concentrated on pitching, which he only gives 20% of his time to, he could be the best pitcher in the American League in the next three years.
6: Wow, that's impressive (laughs) because I respect the hell out of Smoltz. I think he's one of the best baseball, second best baseball analysts for my money. Ron (laughs) Darling. It's not even close. Nobody's in the rearview mirror. Uh, But to me, you know, John Smoltz, when you look at Glavin and Maddox, great pitchers. But the guy you wanted the ball in Atlanta in the postseason was John Smoltz. Absolutely. What was he, 15-2 and two in the uh, postseason?
5: He was a big game pitcher. And without doubt, the best stuff of
6: that staff. Oh, no uh, question about it. And I love his analysis. I think yeah. he does a tremendous job. And, and that's impressive. I, I didn't realize he's that good of a pitcher from that perspective. I love when someone like him speaks mm-hmm. to that. That's really impressive. Yeah, Vlad Guerrero having a terrific year too. Let's not discount how young this I'm man saying. is. I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. You know, everybody points to uh, Fernando Tatis, mm-hmm. but to me, I, I love watching Vlad Jr. play because I was a big fan of his dad. Yeah. I mean, Vlad Guerrero Senior could hit a ball that hit the ground and you he could, could club it in the out- <laughs> opposite batters. <laughs> yeah. Vlad Jr.
5: much more conventional hitter. It isn't a free swinger the way no. his dad was.
6: Yeah, but he, he's terrific, and I love that young video of him when he was a chubby little kid running around the bases. Great. Yeah. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I think the only thing that hurts him a little bit is this team playing in Buffalo and also being, I think, what, eight games back right now. Let's not sleep on how good
5: of an arm his dad had in the outfield, too. Oh, my God. That That was a rifle. Fun to watch. Very fun to watch. All right. When we come back, we continue our preview of the AFC South. This time, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I want to ask them all if his boy Urban Meyer is going to win a championship on this stop in his career. The college football season is right around the corner, Amal, and that means the Vsin College Football Betting Guide is coming soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule, and early season trends to watch, so you have a betting edge this football season. The guide is only $19.99, and discounts are available when you buy early. So now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VSIN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season go to slash subscribe Looking forward to that college football betting guide. Are you, did you write for this, Among? I did not. You should. Yeah, well, you know that have to pay I know you're me more very busy. money. You're you're hosting several shows a day. Well, you know, listen, everything comes down to money in life. If they have a minimum wage increase, that's when you go up. Absolutely. All right, let's continue with the AFC South. We get to the third team, now the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's look at the team odds and then let's look at the individual odds as well. Of course, they're very uh, <laughs> Consider long shots here at a 100 to one to win the Super Bowl, coming off a one and 15 season to win the AFC 50 to one to win their division that contains the Colts and the Titans. They're seven to one, which I think is a little short. Their win total's interesting, six and a half over under, evenly juiced 110 either way, to um, miss the I think this is the opposite way here, right to, to... yeah uh, yeah. Minus $4 to miss
6: the playoffs, playoffs, plus $3 to make the playoffs. Correct. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs. Uh, they're in a competitive division, particularly at the top. They'll have an opportunity to get a couple of games here and there. But I think they're still going to be a better team, more competitive. You know, they had the opportunity against the Browns last year at home. Weren't able to close the deal on that one. Uh, but this team's going to be fun to watch. They're going to be vastly improved. Urban is a terrific coach. Mike, when you look at what he's been able to do everywhere, he's been at the collegiate level, turn programs around, takes over a 2-9 bowling green team, goes 8 and his first year. At Utah, he goes 22 and two in two years. At Florida, in two years, he wins the national championship. First year at Ohio State, takes over for a six and seven program, goes 12 and 0. I mean, this guy is the turnaround king.
5: Well, let's take a look at that, and then let's go to the individual profiles because this is where I think the the value is. Here is Urban Meyer, Coach of the Year, at 14 to one. Trevor Lawrence for Offensive Rookie of the Year is plus three dollars. Travis Etienne, who you like a lot, Offensive Rookie of the Year, 18 to one. You're being facetious. Well, you do like you do like him a lot.
6: I, I, look I think he's a
5: good player. I'm not being facetious.
6: No, I I I don't see I think he's gonna be effective because the way Urban will use him. I'm not as big of a believer in him as maybe some other people were because I thought he's a he's a tremendous speed back and they got him the ball well in space at Clemson.
5: Yeah. Calais Campbell, defensive player of the year eighty to one, and Tyson Campbell, defensive uh Calais Campbell for defensive player of the year eighty to one. Tyson Campbell for defensive rookie of the year a hundred to one. Um uh, Look, Urban Meyer has turned these programs around wherever he went. Would you agree with me that Trevor Lawrence will be the best quarterback he's had uh, since he had Alex Smith at Utah?
6: Oh, I I think so. I mean, you know, somebody might make a case. You're not going to say Haskins is better than Trevor Lawrence, even though he had a tremendous year at uh, Ohio State. When you look at it, Trevor Lawrence is considered a generational talent. You know, for me, probably over the last three decades, you'd say Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence, these were all guys who were slam dunks to be first overall picks, even though back in that 97 season going into the 98 draft, I don't think it was a slam dunk that uh, Peyton Manning was going to be number one, Ryan Leaf obviously in contention, but when you look at it, with the disposition that um, Trevor Lawrence has, I I think he's actually a better fit than a Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, a little bit more of a passive kind of guy in certain capacities. Trevor Lawrence, to me, is not a spotlight seeker. Peyton Manning wouldn't turn down a TV commercial for five bucks, I mean, I love the fact that you've got a guy here in Lawrence who is going to embrace being there in Duval. Seems like a little bit more of a small market kind of guy. He's going to fit in extremely well. I think they've got a real chance. And to me, I thought this was a great pick of ETN. I, I just said a couple things that wasn't high on him. But I think when you combine having the quarterback and the running back that played together for three years, making the college football for three consecutive years, getting to winning a national title, getting to a national title game and getting to the playoff. I mean, tremendous success together. And if they can get things going in the right direction, I I think Lawrence is the kind of guy he's not going to get rattled by some early hiccups. I think he can really, um, you could start to see some vast improvement with him during the season.
5: All right, let's take a look at their schedule, Mo. I know the total's six and a half, but let's take a look at, from the perspective. One and 15, what record do they have to post for Urban to get serious consideration for Coach the year? do they need to win six games, seven I, I games? I think
6: seven would be the magic number So here. Let's look
5: at the schedule. Now, we both thought, if, if no Deshaun Watson, that's two very winnable games against the Texans. They're actually favored by two points in Houston on week one. They get the Broncos at home. They go to the Bengals. They get the Dolphins at home. A, a winnable game. Tough at Seahawks, Bills at Colts. Tough 49ers at home. Falcons at home could be a winnable game. Uh, Texans again at the Jets. Um, tough to go to Foxboro. but I mean I could see this team legitimately winning five, six games. If they get to seven, I think Urban Meyer, depending on what other teams have drastic improvements, is definitely a front runner in this in this regard.
6: I agree with you, but I want to go into the uh, into the schedule a little bit, okay. Mike. When you look at it, okay, they open with the Texans on the road. They have an opportunity there, particularly if Deshaun Watson doesn't go. Week number two against the Broncos. At home, they're a different Mm team. Remember, you're talking early in September. It is still going to be hot and humid in Jacksonville. Could be a little bit of an edge there against a Broncos team that has some question marks at the quarterback position. Week number three, you get the Cardinals. We know the Cardinals' offense is going to be very good, but still some concerns defensively. I know they've, they've theoretically gotten better. But I'm telling you, with the way Urban prepares his teams, this guy's going to work around the clock. They'll be ready to go. You're at the Bengals. That's a manageable game. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but that's a game they could potentially steal. Then you get the Titans and Dolphins at home. Not easy games, but when you look at it from an NFL perspective, when you get games at home like this, this is not a matchup against the 49ers at the Rams, at the Seahawks, where you go, boy, those three are going to be really, really difficult. But some of these other games, I mean, the schedule is not too bad for them. When you
5: take a look at the transition from D1 college head coach yeah. to now NFL for right. Urban you know it's a combination in college of the ability to recruit and then the ability to coach and by that I mean scheme and game managing that. I think Urban Meyer was a tremendous tremendous recruiter, but I also thought he is a, had the ability to use scheme. Let's face it, he won at Florida yeah. I mean, with Leak and and, and with Tebow, two quarterbacks that do not translate success to the next level.
6: You're right, but at Florida, the one thing I would say, he had one of the great, and I I mean one of the great players in the history of college football that doesn't get the credit he deserves, which is Percy Uh Harvin. Harvin's the greatest offensive player in the history of Florida. My apologies to all you Tim Tebow fanboys and, of course, all the Steve Spurrier one of these. By the way, the best quarterback at the University of Florida ever is Danny Werfel. Uh, But to me, he's been able to do it with recruiting. You know what he does extremely well? He's a tremendous talent evaluator. You look at that Ohio State team in 14 that won a national title. Uh, Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas all signed contracts over $90 million in the NFL. Marshawn Lattimore is going to sign a big contract to the cornerback, uh, defensive rookie of the year. He recruited Chase Young. He recruited uh, Nick Bosa. This guy can evaluate talent. I think they'll be able to do that successfully. Here's the big question mark I have. He's not a rah-rah kind of guy. Can you get guys at the NFL level who have a lot more power than they do at the collegiate level to buy in? If you do, I think this program can go in the right direction. I also think because of the success he's had at the college level, he may have success in free agency eventually of bringing people to Jacksonville.
5: When we look back at the Urban, era, Urban Meyer era in Jacksonville, what will it take to have considered it a success?
6: You know, I think if they become a playoff team, a real competitive team in consistency with Trevor Lawrence. All right, when
5: we come back, we're going to play Amal Guesses, this time the young quarterback's passing yards.
6: If you're looking for a hot tip to bet on, Bet Rivers Sportsbook has you covered every day. Go to the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com and find the game you want to bet on. Tap tips and you'll get instant research for the upcoming matchup. Try it out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. And in Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
5: That man you're listening to with the dulcet tones, he's Amal Shaw, And I'm Mike Palm. Welcome back into the nuts. You know Amal. I get the feeling we're going to be revisiting this Jacksonville Jaguars story throughout the season.
6: Yeah, I think so. I think when you look at that, over under six and a half wins is one that you really have to strongly consider based on their schedule. I think they make or break here really the first two months of the season
5: where they have some opportunities in their schedule to get some confidence as well. Remember the team coming back off a one and 15 uh, needs to get some confidence as well. You know, One of the favorite things we do here is we play a game called... Um, Amal Guesses, where we throw up a category for you, whether it's point spreads on a certain game, over, under, teams, wins, holes, the props on certain players for a particular game in the finals. I thought we'd have fun to do it today, to play um, Amal Guesses with passing yards of the quarterbacks in their first or second season. All right, let's start out with, as our friend Michael Lombardi calls him, the mayor of Munchkinville, Kyler Murray.
6: Yeah, I went with, uh, for his uh, total yardage, I went with 4,165 yards, Mike. And let me give you a specific reason why I came up with this number. Uh, Obviously, it appears I got it right. You were
5: only off by 14.5 yards, technically.
6: Wow, that's pretty good on this one. I'll tell you, if you look at his yards per game last year, he was at 248. But what I did was, I actually subtracted the 43 yards on the Hale-Murray. No, seriously, that's why I said this number is going to be fairly accurate, and it came very close to it, and he comes out to about 245 yards a game. That's what I came up with when you take away that uh, 43. So uh, that's how I came up with 4,165 yards. Do you think quarterbacks coming out of this system
5: at Oklahoma underperform expectations because it's more about the system? When you're saying at the next level? Yes, at the next level when they get to the NFL. Is you know, it more about how, the system?
6: How are you saying underperforming? Baker played great last year. Kyler Murray looks like he's on the track to become a stud quarterback. Uh, I, I'm not sure where you're saying underperform.
5: Well, I'm saying in terms of are they going to lead a team to a championship? You know, They're dominant I, players in
6: college. Yeah, I agree with you. But I think sometimes in sports, and I, I said this uh, the other day. I was on with Rick Neuheisel. I said Rocky Long at New Mexico and San Diego State is a great example of a coach who doesn't get credit for what he deserves because he didn't win a championship. And I understand in pro sports, you got to win a championship. My, my point being is, sometimes you need the supporting cast. You need the head coaching. Is Cliff Kingsbury, out of 32 coaches in the NFL... Where are you drafting him as a head coach in the NFL? Probably the Bob, bottom.
5: B- bottom four, for uh, sure.
6: Exactly, right? So sometimes it's some of the pieces you have around you. Now, look, this year you add an A.J. Green to go along with DeAndre Hopkins, but lack of consistency with the running game with Arizona. Uh, this team's got to be better from that perspective. Defense has some question marks. Offensive line is not played particularly well. Mighty Mouse can move. That's the big thing. You know, you brought up something. It's off topic. But how the hell
5: is Chip Kelly not getting Rocky Long for defensive coordinator at UCLA? It's a fair question. Uh, he'd be the first name on my list to call because they've been just atrocious over the
6: last <laughs> few years. Uh, all right, Danny Dimes, your guy Daniel Jones. Yeah, I went with 3,570 yards on this guy. I'm, I'm just not a big fan. You're 60
5: over the margin of error. Our margin of error, is plus or minus 170. Basically, that's 10 yards a game since we have a 17-game season. You, um, you over, actually
6: surprisingly overshot Daniel Jones here. What was his number? 3570. Wow, you know, that's surprising because in his rookie year, you look at it, he averaged 232 yards per game. In his second year, he averaged 210. And I just said, you know, without Saquon Barkley in the lineup, we saw his numbers come down a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do. I think because with Barkley in the lineup, some of the passing attempts will be negated. So I thought the numbers should be a little bit lower here. I think Barkley helps him, though, because of the screen game. Well you're right. I, I think Saquon's yeah. as tough as they come in terms of yeah. the screen game. Him and Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. Would you are go over here?
5: Would this inspire a bet for you on the over? Yeah, thirty five
6: uh, I said thirty five seventy.
5: You said, said thirty eight hundred and it's uh thirty five seventy, is that right? Oh, uh, oh okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. The other way around. You said thirty five seventy. Yes. Uh
6: huh. And it was thirty eight hundred? Yes. You know. Yeah, i I don't I don't think I would go over on it. Um He's got to be a little bit more consistent. He throws the ball to the other team at times too often for me. Okay. Uh, let's go with uh, the new face of the
5: Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts.
6: Yeah, this, excuse me. This was a tricky one here. When you look at his numbers last year, it was not exactly earth-shattering when you go yards per game, only 70 yards. I just assume you're going to take about a, when you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, you're going to probably take about a 210 yards per game average. So I went with uh, 3,570 yards here. Yeah, you're just a little bit under. It's actually 3650, so you missed it by 80. Very, okay.
5: very close there.
6: Yeah, he's got a look, he's got Devontae Smith, former mm-hmm. Alabama teammate, an opportunity here for him to really do some things in the right direction. Let's see if they can do that going forward. You know, it's funny. I used the same number on Jalen Hurts as I did Daniel Jones, I thought they would both be very mm-hmm. similar.
5: All right, let's go with uh, Joe Burrow. They didn't draft the offensive lineman, but they got him the receiver he wanted from LSU.
6: That's great. They can put up the stats. Uh, I, I don't know if they'll be able to keep him upright in week number nine, but you know Joe Burrow is a rookie, averaged almost 270 yards passing per game. It's an incredibly impressive number for a team, as you alluded to, with the lack of offensive line play. So for Burrow, I went pretty high here, Mike. I went yeah, with $4,600. Yeah. Uh, $4, $4,600. 4600 Yeah, way high. $4,200.
5: 4,200 is the passing yards here. Hold on a
6: second. Now, i, I got to calculate something here real quick. 4,200, 247 yards a game. Uh, I'm going to go over on this number. All right, so you've got because, to go there. Uh, yeah, our producer. How just, many games? I just asked that. Uh, he's good. That's he, probably
5: baked into the number.
6: Yeah, but what the are you going to say? The chance of injury. I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get hurt, but I, I like, bro, that's around 240-something, 248 a game. I think Burrow's got a chance to exceed this. You number. guessed a high number. What if they would have drafted
5: Panay Sewell? Would you have made the number even higher? No, because or would you have made it lower because they didn't get
6: Chase? I think they would have been run. They would have been able to run the ball a little bit more effectively. I, um, I think they're going to be in a situation where they're tr- struggling or behind in games. I think he's going to be able to put up numbers. I think Burrow's going to be tremendous. you know the one thing you got to look at Joe Burrow. This guy is incredibly accurate. I mean, his accuracy is off the charts. I think when you look at I always thought Sam Bradford and Tim Couch were the two best collegiate quarterbacks I'd ever seen until Burroughs' year in twenty nineteen.
5: Right, let's move on to my favorite, Justin Herbert. And oh, by the way, the most valuable member of the San Diego Chargers last year was the team doctor that punctured Tarod Taylor's lung. There's
6: no question about that. I mean it's unfortunate circumstances by which it occurred, but I We I, would have I, never seen Herbert if that didn't and happen. we would have eventually. You think so? Yeah. But I think when they brought him in and given him the entirety of the season, he really showed what he's capable of. Uh, Look, I don't know about other people. I can only speak for myself. I did not think this kid was going to be this good. He was incredibly impressive. Well, because of the way they handled him at Oregon his last two years. They had him completely under wraps. Yeah, they really did. If you look back on it with uh, Dye and Verdell, I mean, well, they might not have been there because Herbert was in the league last year. Yeah, one of them was there. I can't remember which one. But, man, you really regret this team not exploding because Oregon has recruited extremely well. And your guess was? Uh, in terms of Justin Herbert, yeah. also same number as Joe Burrow, 4,600.
5: Okay, this one, in within the margin of error, you're 150 over. They've
6: got him at 4,450 and a half. We're
5: going over again
6: here. Ooh, Mike, Another bad I, I, Mike. It, last year's number was a little bit high, but you said 4,450, correct? Yes. And I think the Chargers are going to have to play every game to get to the playoffs, all I, 17.
5: I agree with you, and here's also why. Remember when they got these big leads in first half of yep. games? You know... Anthony Lynn went
6: into shells. Remember yes. in New
5: Orleans, they're up 17. He was handing the ball off three times into the line in the second quarter, trying to run the clock out.
6: Yeah, he went with the old Bill yeah. Cower philosophy of running the clock out. You can't yeah. do that here. I, like I think, Gareth Southgate did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jeez, don't even get me started on that.
5: Oh, God. God, the three lions. All right, this is one I think uh, you and I have strong opinions
6: on, probably worse than the market, right? Um, Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, I went with uh, a very low number here, Mike. I went with under 200 yards per game on Tua. Cool. I went with 3,200 yards per game for an average of about 190.
5: Yeah, you were only off 25%. It's actually 4,000. Wow. Think about this. In yeah, the market, yeah. Tua's number is higher than uh, Daniel Jones. They have him at
6: 3,800, the market,
5: and 4,000 for Tua. I, I
6: don't understand that, and I'll tell you why, because I think Miami's going to play defensive games. That's how mm-hmm. they're going to be more effective. you got one of the best cornerbacks in Xavier Howard. I think this team's solid defensively who is is not a guy that's really going to stretch the field, and they don't have the guy. I like Miles Gaskin, but I don't think they have a guy that can really make a difference in terms of being that home run threat the way um, Saquon Barkley or you alluded to earlier is. So
5: this has inspired an under 4,000
6: bet for you. Yeah, I, I think so. When you look at 4,000, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy right now that who's got to average uh, 235 yards a game. I don't see it with him consistently. I just don't think... You're going to want to do that if you want to be successful if you're Miami. All right, let's take a look in closing here at the top two draft picks. Trevor Lawrence. You know, Trevor Lawrence to me is a guy that can really have a huge impact, especially with Urban. They're going to want to run the football, but I think he's going to see what a weapon he has. Urban, look, he likes to run the ball, but when you get a quarterback like this with his accuracy, his size, arm strength, uh, I went with 4,000 here. Uh, Yeah, 4,050.
5: So you were only off off by 50. I think we'll see heavy doses of Maurice Jones Drew. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then Zach
6: Wilson, the number two pick. Uh, I went with uh, a little bit under Trevor Lawrence here. I went with 3,800. Now you missed this. Technically,
5: we might have to go to the judges. You did miss this by half a yard. <laughs> right right on the number here, uh, 3,800. I think this is right, though, all. I mean, you're very good at college football, and you're right on the numbers of the guys coming out. Once they've played a year,
6: you lose touch. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, you know, you figure about 220 yards, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range, a little bit over Jalen Hurts. Uh, somewhat better than Tua, uh, but under for his season total slightly. Uh, I, by the way, I'm still in shock with that two at four thousand. I will tell you right now: Herbert over, Burrow over, Tua under. Do you like two of the best of those three bets? I do. I, I think that, because here's the other thing, Mike. And I hate to put this out there because it's a negative connotation Because of the injury problem. Yeah, that's another yeah. factor.
5: Uh, let's talk about bet sizing. You yeah. said you love Milwaukee in Game Three. Yeah. You like him again tonight in terms of percentage of the bet that you made. What do you uh, look at it's here? It's not even
6: in the same area code. Okay. This is
5: just like a regular so play. So this is less than 20% of the bet you made on game three? Oh, yeah. Three? Yeah. Oh. yeah. By a large margin. Okay. Yeah. This is... This... Because I mean, obviously, we talk. You're not a unit better,
6: right? Because you don't do it in one X, two X, three X, four X, five X. Yeah, because I'm willing to go bust on a game like game number three. Yeah. Whereas this game, it's a different scenario. I'm going to be a lot more cautious. You know, this is like one of those that's steps a poker, Milwaukee starting that's a, a game. a
5: poker mentality, an all-in mentality.
6: Absolutely right. I love
5: that point. Absolutely. Stay tuned to Visa. And up next, it's betting across America.